2022 taxes now are pretty much a done deal. You know, there's not too much you can do right now, but you know, kind of looking forward to you know what's on the horizon for 2023. What are some of the big changes, or are there any big changes that that owners should be aware of uh, going into 2023? Sure. So there's there's some things that we'll get into in further detail today, but you know, the things that come to mind to think about are um, surrounding some deductions. So uh, depreciation deductions are going to see some changes in 23, um, as well as some interest expense deductions, the research credit, which is a big one that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I previously mentioned, some state tax considerations as well. Those are kind of the main main things that we're looking at right now. Welcome to the Sound of Automation, brought to you by Clayton and McCurvey, CPAs for growth-driven businesses. Welcome to the Sound of Automation. I'm Brian Prozik with Clayton McCurvey, and joining me today is my colleague, Tara Ablett. Tara, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Brian. How are you? Doing very well. Well, hey, tell you what, to, to start off here, how about um, you know before we jump into our topic, you just give everybody a little of your background on kind of what you do with Clayton McCurvey and for industrial automation. Sure. Companies. Yeah. So I am a tax manager here at Clayton and McCurvey, and you know, we focus on closely held businesses um, in tax planning and you know, all things p- compliance. Uh, I, I specialize in the industrial automation space. And so I work with a lot of clients, um, you know, in, in that industry and of course, taking the research credit, um, dealing with all the state taxes. And so uh, our, our plates are full <laughs> and um, especially as we come up here on year end and thinking about planning ideas and whatnot. Excellent. Well, yeah. And that's, that's a great lead into kind of what we'll be talking about today here. So, uh, so we're recording in December, you know, and so that's uh, right before busy time for, for us. So um, really the goal of today's podcast is just to share some of what, um, what companies should be thinking about for next year. You know, obviously 2022 taxes now are pretty much a done deal. You know, there's not too much you can do right now, but you know, kind of looking forward to you know what's on the horizon for 2023. Um, so, so I guess at a high level, you know, what are some of the big changes, or are there any big changes that that owners should be aware of uh, going into 2023? Sure. So there's there's some things that we'll get into in further detail today, but you know, the things that come to mind to think about are um, surrounding some deductions. So uh, depreciation deductions are going to see some changes in 23, um, as well as some interest expense deductions, the research credit, which is a big one that we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, And then like I previously mentioned, some state tax considerations as well. Those are kind of the main, main things that we're looking at right now. Yeah, so let's. I guess let's start off on the on the depreciation side of things. You know, I know there's some um, <clears throat> some things going on with Section 179 and bonus depreciation. So, what's uh, what can taxpayers expect to see next year? So, um, up until this year, the last couple of years, taxpayers have had the opportunity to um, kind of take full advantage of that first year depreciation deduction, whether it was through bonus depreciation or section 179, um, which allows you to basically, you know, capitalize an asset, but then take the full cost of the asset 
as a first year depreciation. Of course, there's some exceptions and things that don't qualify or limits, but um, as we head into 23, that bonus depreciation um, goes from 100% in the first year to only 80%. So um, it's still out there. It's still available and is advantageous. But, you know, I think for the last couple of years, taxpayers have been used to just basically being able to write mm-hmm. it all off in the first year. Um, now, we we still have Section 179, which is the same thing. Uh, first year, 100% bo- uh, depreciation. It's just that there's a kind of a cap as far as what you can purchase and then still be able to take that all in the first year. So usually it's, you know, with inflation, it adjusts a little bit every year. But once you hit that about two and a half million to $3 million threshold, then you have to start reducing your 179 expense. So uh, just, you know, things to, to be aware of if anyone hasn't made those last couple of purchases in 2022, of course, you would want to take advantage of that 100% bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still around in the new year, just on a reduced uh, format. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's uh, uh, business owners have almost kind of gotten used to this ability to fully deduct everything. Uh, exactly. And, and again, not that uh, not that you would put off a purchase necessarily now because you can only take 80% of it on bonus or if you're if you're reaching the cap on 179, but it's just something to think of from more from a, you know, a tax planning perspective as, as they're going forward next year that <clears throat> if you are making a big, you know, some big capital purchases that, uh, that you were going to get the full benefit of previously, you might want to run that by your tax advisor, make sure you don't, uh, don't miss out. Exactly. So moving on to, you also mentioned interest. There's some changes in the way that, uh, that interest is being managed. Yeah. Yep. So with the tax cuts and jobs act that was implemented and, you know, passed in 17 implemented in 18, there was um, this new rule um, and calculation surrounding the de- deductibility of interest expense. Um, you know, it's this this calculation that you get to an adjusted taxable income number, and then you can take thirty percent of that as your interest expense if you have interest up up to that amount. With the pandemic, um, that limitation went up to 50% for a couple of years. It is back down now. It was already back down to 30 in 21. But the the bigger thing to look for in 23 is that in that calculation where you arrive at your adjusted taxable income, um, no longer can you add back the depreciation expense. And so, you know, if you're starting with with a lower number, of course, your limitation is going to be lower too. So um, it it's just going to be one of those things that if you are paying a lot of interest expense, s- similar to depreciation, you're used to a certain amount, there's potential for that to be reduced. Yeah, and, in and sometimes the, you know, that, that interest issue can can be a little bit problematic for you know companies particularly companies that might be at the lower end of right. taxable income right that uh, you, you, if if you're at lower taxable income and maybe the cash flow isn't necessarily there you know and then you see this big adjustment back adding interest back uh, you could end up having to pay tax so uh, so definitely one of those things that business owners want to make sure that if they're uh, if their provider hasn't talked to them about, you know, making sure they're planning accordingly for that to 
to ensure there's enough cash around to make your tax payments. Exactly. And things like yeah. That. There's so. nothing, sort of nothing worse than expecting to have a low taxable income number only to <laughs> then have to pay tax. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's move on to something that's, uh, that's near and dear to my heart, the R and D tax credit. I mean, that's, uh, um, a, a huge benefit for automation companies that we've seen over the years that's now uh, taken a little bit of a hit, at least in the near term. So got my fingers crossed we hear a change, but uh, what's the what's the latest with the R&D tax credit? Yeah, and, and you may have touched on this in, in previous episodes, but in case not, um, we are looking at a situation where beginning with 2022, so as we ramp up to prepare 2022 tax returns, um, the research and development expenses, referred to as 174 costs, um, are actually required to be capitalized and amortized over a, a period of time, as opposed to expensing them all, you know, as, as taxpayers always have. So this is something, again, that was um, in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that we really did not anticipate Um it lasting this long. We certainly thought there would be a fix by now. There's a ton of um, discrepancy with what the the act actually means and how to um, apply that. So we we have very little guidance. We are still hoping for a fix, but you know, worst case scenario where taxpayers are used to expensing these oftentimes pretty significant things related to R&D, if those are required to be added back and then capitalized, um, there's going to be some pretty significant tax being paid. Uh, and so really nothing they can do about it at this time other than just be aware that it's out there. We're, we're hoping and waiting. There certainly could still be a fix before year end. There could be a fix uh, after year end, and then it would be hopefully retroactive. But um, not only would it impact their taxable income, but also their ability to you know have that credit just because you know you would only be able to take the amount that, that was recorded as an expense. So a lot of uncertainty, a lot of waiting um, and, and watching and, and looking for any guidance that we can get our hands on in the, in the next uh, few months here. Yeah, you know, and I think it, within, you know, within the industry, a lot of the focus was on the, um, I think kind of the, well, now it doesn't make sense for me to claim the credit if I'm going to have to prepay tax essentially because I'm taking it. So, uh, so I think a lot of the the, the content that was generated previously was maybe focused more on the people who've never claimed the credit before and were thinking about it. So now it's like, okay, we wouldn't want to, we wouldn't want to go after it because of the tax implications. And in hopes that this would have been resolved, as you said, not too many people focused on the practical implications for people who are already claiming credit. And so, you know, kind of as you mentioned, um, the because you're going to be required to capitalize these expenses. Now you've got a consistency issue potentially that, uh, and again, there's no there's no clear cut guidance on this from the IRS either. That you know, if you've taken the credit in the past, are you now supposed to capitalize? You continue to take the credit, but now you have to capitalize those expenses, and you don't really have an option unless you go back 
and say, well, we never really entitled to the credit to begin with. And, and so now you're, you're dealing with amending returns and repaying tax and all that other stuff. So, uh, so it makes the planning piece challenging. So if, uh, for listeners out there, if you're, if your company is already claiming the R and D credit and your provider hasn't brought this issue up to you, it's definitely worth a conversation because, uh, as, as Tara mentioned, we're hopeful that this gets resolved early next year. Um, but if it say it gets resolved by March and you have to have estimated tax payments in, mm-hmm. you've got to come up with a solution before we know with complete certainty what's going to happen. So exactly. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I anticipate there's going to be a lot more um, taxpayers and you know business owners choosing to extend their returns mm-hmm. as a result of this. However, you know, they're still going to have to make those decisions when it comes time to come up with those extension calculations. Um, And so we're, we're, we're looking and hoping, and this is an industry wide issue where, you know, practitioners are, are really kind of scratching their heads of, of what to do and, and talking to their clients about it. But, um, we're certainly hopeful and looking for something to happen here in the next couple of months, but just beware that, that you may be having to make some of those difficult decisions yep. right at the last minute. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so now you kind of get this, uh, almost this perfect storm with the, with the depreciation and interest and now the R and D stuff that uh, your cash management is going to become, you know, especially critical Um as you're going through your 23 tax planning, because you could end up having to make some payments you ordinarily wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so factoring that into your whole strategy is, is, is vitally important. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, moving on from, from the credits. Uh, so the vast majority of the, uh, the industrial automation clients we work with, I'd probably say almost 99% of them are, you know, partnerships or S corps. You know, a, a pass through entity of some sort. So, what type of considerations do do they need to be thinking about uh, going into this this next year? So, for for those taxpayers that are a pass through entity, like you mentioned, uh, oftentimes they are filing in a couple or several states. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to state taxes, you know, there's 50 states with 50 different sets of rules. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, different taxing regimes out there. One of the things that is becoming more prevalent with the state taxes is, uh, is sometimes referred to as a pass-through entity deduction or a flow-through entity tax regime. And the the basis of it is that, um, again, going back to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the individual itemized deduction related to state and local tax was capped at $10,000. Now, for most taxpayers in the United States, that's a pretty low amount and they're getting you know, hit with, with not being able to take those deductions on their personal return. And so for owners of, of these pass-through entities, uh, some states are coming up with a regime whereby the entity would sort of pay the tax um, at the entity level that the owner would then get credit for on their state tax return. So by doing this, uh, number one, the entity, you know, the flow through income is lower because of taking that deduction. 
And then the business owner is still paying, you know, state tax, but because they're sort of getting this credit for a tax paid on their behalf, they're not getting that limitation at the federal level of $10,000. So um, there's a handful of states that have implemented it, you know, with the 2021 year end. It seems like it's becoming more and more prevalent and a few more states are rolling this out each year. A lot of times there's, you know, set calculations and elections to be made. And so it certainly is something that you want to look at and see if if you would benefit from um, and if it applies to states that you're doing business in and filing returns in. But if it applies and it, you know, it makes sense for you, it is a pretty big um, tax savings structure. And so, you know, you don't want to just jump in and, and make all these elections because there are some some compliance requirements surrounding it, but it it certainly can be advantageous to the business owner. Yeah. And still something that, uh, you know, when, <clears throat> when this comes out, you know, people might have a chance to kind of talk with their, their providers about, cause I mean, some of the States do have requirements where it's the, the payments have to be made that year. Right. So it's not something where you can, you can jump in January 1st, make the payment, make it retroactive to the prior year. So if you do decide you want to take advantage of it, it does require a little planning. And if you, if you happen to miss it for the 22 tax year, you know, definitely look for it for, uh, for 23, because they're, um, you know, we've talked about a, a couple things here that are going to uh, potentially drive additional tax for taxpayers. And so this is one area where you can maybe get a little back and, and help the cash, uh, cash flow in, in the other direction. So exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so like you mentioned, um, looking to make those payments before year end, that's sort of the key in order mm-hmm. to get the the federal taxable income down. So definitely a little bit of time left to consider that and then look for it next year, you know, if, if you miss out. Excellent. So um, obviously we talked about, and I think that this is probably the one, um, the one staple going into every, every tax season, right? Is that there's, there's a lot of changes, a lot of uncertainty and the importance of talking about things with your, your tax preparer uh, is critical to make sure you're doing everything right. And you're in your kind of optimizing your tax position. Um, are there any other, you know, big items that we're discussing with our clients currently? Obviously we're, you know, we've been in a, a pattern of there's been, you know, between the, the, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was a planned change, and then the coronavirus pandemic, all the changes surrounding that. There's been a lot of changes for taxpayers in the last couple of years. And, you know, we're just a couple of years away from another election. And so, you know, I think taxpayers need to be um, in a in good shape to be having those planning decisions, uh, conversations, and have their books in order, clean. Um, kind of ready because some of these things, you know, like the the pass through deduction that was rolled out for Michigan last year was was very last minute. And so, if you're, you know, having those conversations with with management and with your your providers, you're in a position to make some of those decisions and in, in deciding whether that makes sense for you or not. So, you know, I think just remaining ready. To, to jump in on anything and, and have those clean records so that you can at any moment say, okay, yes, this makes sense or it doesn't um, is, is really what I think would put you in a good position to, to make some good decisions from here on out. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and something else I would encourage, um, you know, if you go to Clayton McCurvey's website and look in our, you know, our insight section where we're constantly putting out articles, uh, you can also sign up for our industrial automation newsletter where we try and uh, keep keep business owners up to date on these types of topics, you know, just going back to the R&D credit for a minute, you know, as the developments come out on that, you know, we'll be, we'll be publishing on that to, to keep people up to speed with everything that's happening and how it's going to impact their business. So, so definitely something uh, from the listener perspective, if you're not already engaged with us, you know, in our content or articles, things like that, uh, definitely worth checking in because as these things change, you know, as Tara mentioned, you know, we try to, uh, to get, get content out in a way that's going to be helpful for the business owner, right? We're not going to dive deep into the, into the code sections and what all the verbiage means, but kind of break it down into, you know, what does this mean for you as a business owner? How should you, uh, how should you respond? Sure. Um, you know, another, and, and this is something that I think we get all the time as we're talking with, um, you know, prospective clients is that they, they tend to, you know, we see a lot of clients come in who get frustrated by, you know, their current tax provider, you know, not giving them that proactive guidance and advice, you know, they're basically just the compliance partner that takes care of things. So um, if, if someone listening to this episode, you know, heard something you were talking about, and is like, gosh, my, you know, my provider's not not talking to me about these things. Uh, what's a what's a good way for them to to reach out to you and connect and, and maybe get some questions answered? Sure. Yeah, I, I'd say the best way would probably be to email me, um, T. Ablett at Clayton McCurvey. I'm sure you can find, um, you know, our our emails on on our mm-hmm. website too. But um, I would say email is the best way to get a hold of me, and then certainly I can help point you in the right direction, answer your questions, and and support wherever we can. So that would be great. Fantastic. Well, Tara, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your insights and enjoy the, the last few weeks here before things get crazy again. And we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Brian. Yep, thanks. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like us, subscribe, and share on social. To learn more about Clayton and McCurvey, visit us at claytonmccurvey.com. That's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-M-C-K-E-R-V-E-Y.com. We thrive on finding the solutions for you.